0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show—the show that is so bad it's like grabbing your teenager's phone and trying to read their text messages. Now I invite you to sit back, relax. The smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Yes, these sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational But always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast And I am your host, Brian Levine It is February, Groundhog Day coming up We'll see how much longer winter is going to last Well, it'll last until it ends But on this week's show, in pipe parts I have another collection review And this time it's high grades And when I mean high grades, high grades So we get that my guest is um, author, poet, uh, professor, PhD, Doctor of Creative Writing, Dudley Delfs, who is also a pipe smoker and a uh, and a historian a little bit. So we get to meet him and uh, mail ba- you know, music mailbag and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead, turn it off now. We'll wait. Okay, good. We're done. Uh, Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, it's been cold here. Uh, Three weekends in a row, we've had snowfall, which is just odd for this area. And I hope, I hope we're done with it because we still have a little patch of ice. Uh, You know, little piles of slurt or whatever it's called on the in the flower beds but anyway uh what it has given me time to do is uh i'm i'm really working on uh perfecting a uh perfecting a cappuccino with almond milk and perfecting making it here at home uh so i've been working on that and the the upshot of it is getting a little jittery at times from all the caffeine but you know i'm getting pretty close and i'll tell you one of the uh one of the one of the real pleasures that I look forward to in life is you know of course my pipe and then if I can pair it with a uh, with a really good cup of coffee and, and a, or a really good cappuccino yeah I mean there's nothing better and with as cold as the weather's been cappuccinos just seem to warm me up nice you know, get a little bit of calories and yeah thanks to my discovery of the fact that I can drink almond milk well I can drink cappuccinos too as long as they're made with almond milk. Um, almond milk doesn't froth up like I, like I see it. So, although I've found a few places that can really do it, but I'm working on it. I'm going to keep working on it and keep practicing and practicing until I've wasted a whole bunch of almond milk, but all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in and here we go.
1: There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum Corn cob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and remember, I re- I asked you send me pictures of your pipe collection or your pipe assortment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, send them to me and show me what you got, and let me take a look at them and talk to everybody about them. So the uh, so the first one we did was a couple weeks ago, and uh, really enjoyed the uh, all the the various shapes of the Kamoys Everyman, and uh, yeah, I made a few suggestions. Well, this one comes in from, uh, Cressy and, um, Cressy has got a, uh, I mean, he's, he's got a love of Danish pipes and when I, and he sent pictures and they're all assorted. So there is, uh, it looks like nine different pipes by Tao, T-A-O, one of the, and, tau Tao is, you know, Tao is one of, one of the lesser known pipe makers, but yet, great pipe makers of Denmark, uh, tau, the the tau pipes that are shown here, nine of them, two of them are different. The rest of them are all bulldogs or Rhodesians or variations of the bulldog. One bent, and and a flock of them straight, all smooth, all really nicely grained. Uh, some light grain, some dark grained, compact. You know, just again the the Danish tau. Tao-esque look to them uh and then and then there's a uh what I guess uh, I would consider it a bent uh, maybe a a bent short billiard and just a straight billiard uh silver work on them I mean this is a this is an impressive collection of nine pipes from one lesser known pipe maker that you know I don't think I've ever seen that many in one spot um, but definitely a design, you know, a design choice. When you look at a lot of what, uh, when you look at a lot of Tau's pipes, um, they definitely have those sharp edges. They've got some lines to them that are different. So, uh, but yet still, I mean, just impressive to see those together. Uh, the next one is a group of three from former Hans Hans Nielsen, who's known as former and, you know, there's a great, you know, just three. One, one looks like a large bill, uh, bent billiard that I don't think I've seen too many that size. Uh, but former pipes, you know, Hans has been making pipes for, I think he was Tom Eltang's boss at one point. And he, uh, it's, uh, he's been around a while. And if you can get your hands on a former pipe, you know, they don't, they're just great pipes that, Again, you know, are highly collectible, but you don't hear of him up in the big name of Conowitz, Iverson, Bang, yeah, and then, and then the next page. Speaking of, uh, (laughs) speaking of Conowitz is six of them, so now we get into some serious money when you're talking about six. Yes, Conowitz pipes, Uh, three sandblast, three smooth. Yep, they look like Conowitz's from a mile away. Uh, you can look at these pipes and you can see what most American or what newer pipe makers are looking at and wanting to emulate. Conowitz, uh, I've owned one in the past. And, you know, again, just really well done, really well made. And here is six of them. Three sandblasts, three smooth, one with some silver work. And they're all, looks like he also keeps his pipes in really good shape, too. So I, I kind of wonder, does he smoke a lot? But uh, <laughs> either that or he keeps them all in really good shape. Uh, and then to, uh, to round out the collection is five more pipes, four that are Tom Eltang snail grades. So Tom has one, he has, he has two grades of pipes. He has Eltang grades, and then the greatest of them get snails. And here's four of them, Uh, you know. Again, classic Danish, a straight apple, a straight billiard, a uh, somewhat bent stacked or stretched Rhodesian, and then a classic bent billiard. Uh, So, (laughs) once again, we're talking about some, you know, some uh, uh, curated pieces, and then the last one. Is the only one from that he has from uh, Paul Ilstead, and it's a sandblasted. I would I would call it a yeah I'd call it a bulldog, even though it's more of a Danish style bulldog. So it's really tall, and then the seam comes up right around the uh, right around the rim of the bowl. So it's kind of like a Dublin with uh, with two bulldog rings around it and a diamond shank. So this is a collection that is completely opposite of the other one we had Uh, this is a collection that is you know obviously curated and not one that you can you can't I don't know if you can even walk out and buy two Tom Eltang snail grades right now I don't know how many Tows are available on the market as estates for sale right now so this is a curated collection these pipes probably have a little bit of a history and i'd be interested to you know you don't you don't just walk in and track down these pipes uh, that's what i'm trying to say uh conowitz pipes when they come on the market they come and go real quick i wonder if he bought them when uh when conowitz's were more readily available but again a real heavily curated collection these all to me look like pipes that you know except for maybe a few of the sandblasts. they look like pipes that are uh, you know, pipes that you sit down and you spend time with, and the, that's the pipe and the occasion is what you're looking for with these pipes. Uh, doesn't look like the kind of pipe that you're going to, you know, smoke <laughs> two or three bowls through out in the day, or doesn't look like the kind of pipes where you're going to carry four in your bag during the day and smoke them, smoke through them, but still really impressive. I also kind of wonder if maybe he's got some, uh, you know, factory pipes or some more, uh, uh, some more affordable pipes in his collection uh, that he uses for, uh, I don't know, yard pipes or car pipes. Uh, that would be, uh, yeah, that'd be interesting for me to find out. So, Cressy, if you're listening, send me an email. Let me know because uh, I mean these are all these are all top notch pipes, and again, these are not pipes that you see. Especially that many towels. You just don't see that many of them in one spot at one time from one person. Uh, and they're in really good condition. So uh, Maybe lightly smoked. But anyway, so there you go. A collection of all Danish handmade high grades. If you'd like to uh, send in your collection to me, email them to me. Brian at Uh Just give me a list of what they are and you can tell me some stuff about them if you want uh and then give me a photograph of the collection so that i can take a look at it and i i might be able to figure stuff out maybe or you can be as specific as you want so there you go all right in just a minute dudley Delfs. this is internet radio
2: for over 150 years peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and joining us, and I gotta, this is this is primarily a warning for me because I'm jumping into the deep end of the ocean without a life preserver. But you know, I've always said there are, uh, the pipe community has got people of unique skills, and I think the unique, (laughs) I think unique people are drawn to the pipe. But uh, joining us is uh, a. professor doctor not not one of those medical doctors uh professor dr dudley Delfs, who is an award-winning novelist poet biographer and uh and a pipe smoker so dudley welcome to the show
3: thank you so much brian it's a pleasure to be here all
0: right so let let's get your uh let's get your superhero origin story where where were you born when did you grow up or where did you grow up and what did you want to be
3: You know, I grew up in this little town where I have just moved back to about three years ago called Suwannee, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, grew up uh, wanting to uh, be an architect or something creative, but but nothing too, you know, too artistic or too out there. And I think, uh, you know, by the time I was uh, entering college, at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, uh, I definitely was heading down a, a language or word oriented track. I, I loved to read, you know, enjoyed writing for the most part, and uh, liked learning about uh, people and the way they think and feel and uh, the stories they could tell and why those stories mattered.
0: And you ended up getting a PhD in what from where?
3: <laughs> you know, I ended up getting a PhD in creative writing in English, in creative writing at the university of Denver. Um, shortly after my wife and I married, uh, we met in Knoxville where we were both finishing uh, master's degrees. She was in uh, counseling and social sciences and I was getting that lucrative master's degree in English poetry writing. And, uh, <laughs> about a year after after we married uh, we decided to move to denver and we were both going to another graduate program uh in counseling and i flirted with the idea of of being a a counselor as a vocation and mm-hmm. and i think i was okay at it i i i like listening to people i like learning about their stories but but i had a hard time kind of you know shutting it off at the end of the day and, uh, so i tilted toward a more academic career and uh, began teaching part-time and ended up getting into the uh, PhD program there at the University of Denver, which has arguably the oldest PhD in creative writing program, uh, very well established and respected. And, uh, it it was a great experience for me. It really helped, I think, challenge whatever tiny bit of writing talent I may have and, and maximize it. So, uh, You know i i finished that thought i'd have an academic career and then about a year within a year of finishing that program and wrapping up the phd i was uh hired away to be an editor for a division of random house and be a fiction editor and uh you know i'll just tell you the truth brian i part of it was financially motivated because you know i was i was teaching at a small private college and this job as a fiction editor it, it almost doubled my salary overnight and that, that that's still not talking about a lot of bucks but it it was a big step up and for uh you know a, a husband and a father of three little kids it, it seemed like the, the wise thing to do and I thought I could always go back and, and teach if it didn't work out but uh it did work out and so I ended up uh ended up staying in in publishing and um uh, climbed the ladder rather quickly and uh, became an editor in chief and a VP and publisher, all that. I ended up uh, jumping from that division of Random House to uh, to Harper Collins to the uh, faith-based publisher Zondervan, uh, and that took us from Colorado up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, did that for a few years. And then decided I really needed a break. The corporate, the corporate publishing bs was was weighing heavy on me and i felt like i was getting a long way away from what i love the most which is you know the words the language the manuscript the authors yep. the stories and so i just took a big leap of faith and uh I did not renew my contract and decided to to just freelance and see what would happen and here i am almost 12 years later and i've just been very very lucky I've worked hard, but I've also had, you know, a lot of great opportunities to work with a lot of other authors and agents and publishing companies. I've been able to travel the world. Um, and, yeah, I'm a lucky boy. I get to do what I love <laughs> most and uh, most of the time get paid for it.
0: So when did pipe smoking come into your life? Was that when you were sitting there contemplating the uh, the poetry world? and? <laughs>
3: It kind of was, Brian. I mean, it, it was definitely when I was in college, and and I'm sure I was probably, you know, an English major, an English, uh, a literary geek by then. But uh, you know, there was definitely the the boyhood Sherlock Holmes effect that mm-hmm. you know, that that was well instilled, and uh, you know, I was always a bit of an Anglophile, kind of really fascinated by my Irish and Scottish roots and you know, really love the UK and, and the British British culture. And, and so, you know, certainly you've got C.S. Lewis and uh, Tolkien and um, uh, all kinds of literary stars who were pipe smokers. So I first started trying, you know, smoking pipe in, in college. And, and, you know, it wasn't that great at it. You know, it's like I, I wanted to be a pipe smoker more than I enjoyed the process initially but uh you know through patience and time um i I, I came to you know to enjoy the ritual of it and uh the process of it and the way it forced me to slow down and uh you know it was a great meditative way to to think through whatever i was writing or whatever i was working on a great way to you know kind of uh deal with the stress when i was working in in corporate publishing so it's definitely evolved to, I think, now that I am uh, an empty nester with my wife. You know, I, she enjoys the aroma of most of my tobaccos, and so I can smoke indoors. <laughs> we have a beautiful porch looking out on the woods, and, uh, you know, I can sit up there and smoke. So I feel like I've really, you know, I'm really growing into being even more of a ardent pipe smoker than ever before.
0: Now, what year was it that you first picked up a pipe?
3: You know, I'm guessing it was uh, It was probably in the mid-80s, Brian. Okay. It was, uh, yeah, probably in 85 or 86. I was probably junior, senior in college.
0: So that was way, way before the Internet. So you would have had to have gone to the pipe shop or gone to some elder statesman and had to, had to get some advice on how, to, on how to actually operate this thing
3: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i did uh, another part of the the pipe piece and i think uh, you know many pipe smokers i've come across uh, they seem to have someone you know an elder statesman as you said in their family i had a great uncle and uh, and he was a bit of a character uh, <laughs> and uh he was the only family member or only you know kind of uh, close person, I saw that smoked a pipe, but but I like the uniqueness of it. I, that appealed to me, it, 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 and that you know, not everybody was into it, or that it wasn't trendy. That it really was something you were you were kind of drawn to, and and enjoyed for its own sake, or for the way it uh, uh, it spoke to you, or it fit, yeah. fit you and who you are. And so, so he he was definitely. I'd watched him, you know, enough to to have a little little bit of knowledge of the basics. But uh, yeah, I can remember, you know, going to a shop that had cigars and all kinds of tobacco and, and paraphernalia and, and, you know, uh, being naive enough to just ask all my stupid questions and uh, which I still do. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and they were very patient and kind and uh, willing to, to help. And, you know, like a lot of, I think, beginning smokers, for me, it really was, you know, how do you pack the bowl just right? And how do you, you know, how do you keep it lit? And all those things that kind of, you know, become more art than science, I think, over time as you um, get more experienced as a pipe smoker.
0: Why is that pipe curved and that one's not?
3: Right, right. And. And, you know, and what's the difference between this blend and that blend and, you know, all of those kinds of things that, that I'm still, you know, I'm still finding out. I think, you know, uh, my my uh, my biggest concern in being able to, to talk with you today was just, OK, am I going to embarrass myself? And I don't know <laughs> the difference between this and that. But but there's a lot I don't know. So uh, I'll just skip the embarrassment. And uh, if I don't know, I'll tell you. <laughs>
0: listen we had uh we had rich esserman on i don't know a couple of weeks back and he said you know mm-hmm. 50 uh well 40 years into pipe smoking and he's still trying to work on his packing technique so I was yeah like, yeah, yeah.
3: I, I think i heard him say that and i was encouraged because i'm you know um i tend to do it at this stage brian without almost thinking about it which mm-hmm. i think is a good thing you know it's yeah. just kind of sensory memory you know i just do it and it you know nine times out of ten it's a good bowl it it smokes fine but what i've noticed is when i've tried to teach other people you know how to pack a ball or how to smoke a pipe uh, that's when i I kind of run into trouble and i i you know i don't always know how to break it down in a way that's you know sequential and, and logical
0: yeah that's a perfect place for us to take a break when we come back we'll talk more about uh more writing and words and pipe stuff with uh, Dudley Delsa. so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors, to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark.
0: we are back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with uh, dr. Dudley delfts writer author coach uh, you got a whole you got a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, but uh, on on your website it says you've uh, ghostwritten for more than a dozen New York Times best-selling authors so who are they <laughs>
3: Well, if I tell you, then I, I will definitely be a ghost because they won't
0: shoot me. So, <laughs> oh darn! I, I, I that's thought... the
3: beauty of uh, you know non-disclosure agreements and all of that business. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I can't say. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that has been that's been that's been a good uh, you know a good part of what I do for for the most part. I, I approach it like method acting. I, I think about you know how do I get inside this person's mindset and worldview and uh you know this message that, that they're compelled to share and whatever genre it might be and so for me it's a creative exercise and and like i say most of the time i enjoy that
0: and so this has nothing to do with pipe smoking but when you're when you're being approached to ghostwrite or to help somebody with their writing i mean you've got to spend some time talking to them because you want to also use their same vocabulary uh,
3: absolutely know.
0: You don't yeah. want to write a book for me and all of a sudden it make it sound really smart, and then I show up and open my mouth and <laughs> prove that it was ghostwritten.
3: Well, you know, I, I would want to incorporate your unique form of wisdom and the way that you tend to speak and the metaphors you use or the comparisons you make. Or, you know, again, we were talking a little bit, Brian, about, uh, you know, where we grew up and, and a sense of place and all that. And I think that's another factor that definitely. shapes who we are who we become and and how we see the world
0: yeah all right so going back to pipe smoking when did it did pipe smoking automatically become a a a daily thing or you know a weekly thing for you or uh you know was it more of an opportunity thing
3: you know uh up until really a few years ago um it was more opportunity based because Mm -hmm. i really you know tried to respect the fact that my daughters had these allergies and, and I wouldn't smoke in the house. And so that, that meant it was more outdoors. And, you know, in Colorado or Grand Rapids, depending on the weather, (laughs) you know, how, how long do I want to stand out here in the, you know, the zero degrees uh, smoking? I I could do that for a while, but uh, you know, once we moved back to Tennessee uh, the kids weren't in the house any longer, Um, you know, I, I really was kind of a kid in a candy shop, and I think that first year, I, I I'm embarrassed. I don't even know how many pipes I bought that year and how many blends I tried because I was like, you know, nobody's stopping me. I could go nuts, and you know. And my wife one day asked me, "How many pipes are you gonna buy?" <laughs> and I said, um, "Maybe one more." <laughs> and, and, and she said, "Uh huh, uh huh," like like wives can sometimes do. But then a few days later, she said, "You know, I decided unless you know they're just uh, coming out the the front door and taking up you know vast rooms, you know, I, I I think that's probably a good thing for you. Enjoy your pipes." So I appreciated her blessing on that.
0: Yeah. So how many one more pipes do you have now?
3: Honestly, I I, I don't know, Brian, and I, and I don't have anywhere near the you know, the quantity you and series collectors have. I mean, I honestly, I would say, yeah, it's probably more than a hundred and but it's less than 200. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. Uh, do you, do you prefer a specific style or size or shape or, or is it all over the place?
3: Uh, you know, for a while I thought it really was all over the place because I like variety and I love the, uh, you know, I love the artistry. I love the aesthetics of a pipe and the fact that, you know, especially these handmade works of art. I, I, I love the, the, the fact knowing somebody made this, envisioned it, you know, crafted it. I, that just I don't know. I don't know if that's as a creative or a writer. Mm-hmm. But I just love that. So I, I, you know, pursued all kinds of different shapes and you know, free hands were fascinating to me and just to see what different pipe makers would do kind of unfettered if they're not, you know, if they're not making to a particular uh, shape on the the shape chart or the traditional bowl chart. But uh, honestly, you know, after, a- after flirting with lots of different sizes and kinds and all of that, I feel like I kind of narrowed into, you know, my sweet spot. And for me, Brian, that tends to be, um a quarter bent pipe usually um, a bent apple a bent dublin um usually about six inches give or take Um, less than five and a half and it's you know i'm kind of a i'm kind of a tall kind of a big guy and so it's a little too too much of a nose warmer for me if it's less than five and a half (laughs) and if it's more than six and a half you know it's like well then let's just go full church work if we're gonna go that far so uh, around six inches give or take tends to be good i like a little bend um i like the way a pipe bowl fills so i i want mm-hmm. you know I, I like i like the blast i like the textures i i like you know i like the smooth beautiful brains too but but you know the black and tans are fun sometimes uh, mark tinsky does some great black and tans yeah. and i love the way you know they'll, they'll you have this nice kind of blast on the, the bottom or the edges and then it'll be smooth and see the beautiful grain around the the circumference of the bowl.
0: Yeah. So that is, I mean, that is the poet in you coming out where you're, you're, you're noticing all the aspects of the, of the actual pipe.
3: Absolutely. Seriously. And, you know, and it's, it's very personal and I I realize very subjective, but uh, you know, and I've heard other, other, pot smokers say that yeah depending on their mood or i mean some i'm sure are very methodical and they rotate you know based on their schedule or an algorithm or something but mine's much more mood based and yeah there's probably a couple of dozen that tend to get the primary share of the rotation but uh you know every now and then i'm like where's that uh yeah where's that peterson from way back when or you know where's that savinelli i actually bought in italy or you know, it's like there'll 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 be a mood or there'll be a day when I'm especially <laughs> wanting a certain kind of pipe to smoke that day.
0: If your Irish heritage is perked up, then you pick up a Peterson. If you want to feel Italian for a day or two, then you got the Savinelli's. and
3: a- Absolutely. I mean, seriously. I I uh, I remember, you know, uh, my wife and I went to uh, went to Ireland and I I loved going to the big the big peterson shop and just i mean and honestly i was in there for like an hour and still had not chosen and she said you know i think i'm just going to pop back to the hotel <laughs> and, and you take your time honey you take your time because really it was just um overwhelming in the best possible way
0: <laughs> you bought a house faster than you picked out a pipe basically
3: i i, I really could i mean <laughs> You know, because I'm studying them. And I want to know how they feel, and you know, it, it really was great fun. And um, that's certainly, you know, as many smokers, pipe smokers, have pointed out, one of the challenges of, of purchasing pipes over the internet. But uh, if I tend to find a, you know, a company or a, a pipe maker that I like their their style, then you know, I'm willing to try out variances within what they make.
0: Yeah. All right, let's talk about your writing because your last, your, your latest book has um, has got me interested uh, because I I <laughs> I like most things British as well. Uh, yes, I think British tailoring is by far the best. I think, well, I have my little British Mini Cooper that's you know made in Oxford. Nice. Uh, right. Your latest book, but I got to nitpick you for a minute. Okay, please. Uh, it's it's titled "The Faith of Queen Elizabeth." Uh, so I want to find out about it, but first of all, it's actually Queen Elizabeth II. Oh,
3: of course. And yeah. trust me, we had this conversation with my publisher, <laughs> and you know, and I and I'm being kind of the nitpicker and going, you know, we really need to say Queen Elizabeth II. They're going. No, we don't. No, it's she's the only living Queen Elizabeth we've got. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> obviously, obviously, I uh, I compromised on that, um, you know. And at the same time, I definitely hear what you're saying. Well,
0: if my British friend Bob Gregory, who used to work for Samuel Goweth, was listening, I accused <laughs> him of first starting in the tobacco industry under Queen Elizabeth, but Queen Elizabeth the first. <laughs> uh, right <laughs> he he just retired a couple of years ago but so let, let's back up a little bit um i i'm assuming you would consider yourself a person of faith correct
3: yes yes
0: yeah. so the the faith of queen elizabeth i mean back a, give us give us the um give us the back of the book version of it
3: yeah queen elizabeth is is simply one of those figures that whom I've always admired in my life and, and again, I'm not even quite sure why I don't know if it's just that you know that American uh, fascination with the British royalty or curiosity. Mm-hmm. but part of my you know love of the British culture was was studying the history and seeing how the monarchy had evolved to the 20th century and being fascinated by the remarkable circumstances under which Queen Elizabeth II became the sovereign. And compared certainly to others, uh, to her predecessors in history, just my, I felt like she was doing an incredible job and that she uh, was remarkable at withholding her personal uh, preferences and subjectivity and really trying to devote herself to serving and, and you know, and being more than just a, a figurehead, but really trying to, to do good and to sincerely inspire others and uh you know and into adulthood and and beyond now i have always liked the way that she includes the vast variety of other belief systems and and no belief system and it's just very respectful and very very kind and very curious and um, i don't always uh, sense that or see that sometimes in our country the way I think I'd like. But I think her her model of the Christian faith uh, uh, is very appealing. And so, you know, I, I'd written a spiritual biography of Dolly Parton, of all people, another mm-hmm. of my favorite uh, kind of heroes, uh, my fellow sister Tennessean. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and my publisher said, okay, you've done Dolly, that's great. Um, who else? Who else do you admire that might fit into this kind of spiritual biography business? I said, Well, you know what? The crown is really hot right now. Yeah. And I think you know a lot of people are realizing how human uh, the the Queen Elizabeth II is, and and certainly all of the behind the scenes things that maybe somewhat embellished, but nonetheless. And and the publisher liked it, and and I think you know uh, readers have been very. Um, very responsive and and enjoyed it as well because, you know, she's a very private, somewhat stoic person generally, but looking at the evidence across, you know, this lifetime and across her, her reign of almost 70 years now. And clearly, you know, she does, I think, practice her beliefs in a way that's very consistent and for me, very admirable and very inspiring.
0: So I, too, was uh, fascinated by the crown and we're waiting for the next season to drop and, you know, and love it. Yes. Um, Right. A little bothered by some of the casting changes, but, you know, you get over those.
3: (laughs) Uh, I know. Right. There's that speed bump from every couple of seasons. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah uh that and i was fascinated by the amount of wonderful old british cigarettes that were smoked on for two or three puffs and then put out immediately and i'm like stop that i want one of those they're great
3: (laughs) um you know i had had even considered that brian you're you're so uh, right
0: yeah well that's the that's the tobacco head in me uh i like that But I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina, home of the Billy Graham library, and I was shocked by, because I had no idea how close of a relationship Billy Graham had with Queen Elizabeth.
3: Yes, truly. I think there was a mutual admiration there. Mm -hmm. And perhaps, you know, of course, started at a distance, but I, I, you know, the Queen, we know factually the queen did arrange to meet him during his first major crusade in London, and from there they remained in contact with one another. And as their international travels would um, would cross and and bring them in proximity, you know they continued to cultivate a friendship. And uh, I, I just I find that fascinating as well because I think they certainly were in very unique, different uh, circumstances as international leaders, if you will, but uh, just appreciated each other and appreciated uh, the sense of faith that they both lived out in in different ways.
0: Yeah. And then I I was also intrigued because she wrote about Dolly Parton, who is the queen of (laughs) country music. Um, Uh But both of these women are both – they – both of them have gone from just being a person to becoming an institution really and being Absolutely. leaders uh, and both of them are from what I know of them pretty much they are who they are
3: that's my sense of it Brian and and I again I think that's part of what I admire about them you know one of the unique uh, it's the, the irony or the paradox is that I think both, queen elizabeth ii and dolly parton would talk about having a a very distinct public persona and yet being very candid that you know they're much more than that and they do have a personal and a private side and you know they're still obviously connected to that public persona and and personality but they don't try to bring or expose all of who they are uh, into the roles that they've assumed And uh, for me, that that's intriguing. And I I think that's helpful sometimes as I think about authenticity and think about, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to become, you know, your so-called best self and and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, no, I I, I just I love them both. And I think they really are um, fascinating individuals.
0: And. Dolly has a couple of my favorite quotes. One of was when she sat down on the couch next to Johnny Carson, Johnny asked her, how long does it take for you to do your hair? And she said, I don't know. I'm never there when it's done.
3: (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, you you, you gotta love that. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I I love, you know, what she said in, in several interviews that she, realized quickly that she wanted to be the first one to make the dumb blonde joke or the big boobs joke <laughs> that you know that, that she was you know she's like I I'm self-aware enough to know what I'm doing and I you know yeah people will give me some credit for that and if they don't I at least want to show I have a sense of humor about it and I, I respect that I think that's smart
0: I think she also said it costs a lot of money to look this cheap
3: <laughs> yeah yeah No, she she has made that a recurrent theme. Um, One of my, one of my favorite stories she tells as a teenager, you know, she's working hard to get into the country music industry and be a performer, you know, uh, grew up very poor, of course, you know, her story's well known, didn't have money for makeup and cosmetics. And so she was kind of foraging and making do with, you know, pancake flour, uh, you know, elderberries for lipstick and whatnot, but, you know, would, would still try to make herself up and, her granddaddy, her mother's father, was a was a preacher. And yeah. you know, he, he, he said, you know, I, I want you to go to heaven, Dolly. I and looking like this, I, I just don't know if you're gonna make it. <laughs> Dolly told him, I wanna go to heaven too, but I don't want to look like hell when I get there. <laughs> so again, you know, she has a quip for everything, but uh I I do think that she truly is remarkable.
0: Well, and as a good old Southerner, I can tell you, you know, I don't know the way to get to heaven, but I know you have to change planes in Atlanta on the way.
3: <laughs> I think they're trying to move that to Charlotte now, Brian, actually. but Yeah,
0: yeah, some people are doing that. <laughs> um, right. For uh, for all of Dudley's writings, the website is D u d l e y d e l f f s dot scom and uh, we can even see a picture of you with a pipe on there and, uh, yeah, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready?
3: I'm ready, Brian.
0: Now <laughs> The professor has to respond quickly. So uh, <laughs> what is your favorite pipe?
3: My favorite pipe is a coral blasted Mark Tinsky six and a quarter inch bent apple.
0: And what is your favorite tobacco?
3: My favorite tobacco is a cult blend known as profile and I'll probably catch some flack for that because people serious smokers tell me that's a, that's like the most benign you know uh, really that's your favorite but if I'm honest, by default that's often what I what I go to.
0: We uh it's your favorite, that's what matters.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean hey, I enjoy it, so I guess you're right.
0: Yeah. Notice I did I don't ask what is the best. I ask what's your favorite. Oh
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, you're smart. You're yeah. smart. Yeah, I couldn't name the best by far.
0: Yeah. Uh what is your favorite drink?
3: oh that's that's challenging. Um uh today we will say that it is um Oh that's see, that's tough. That's really tough even for favorite, not best. You know, I I love I love uh an Irish pot still whiskey called Redbreast. Mhm. Um and I also love some good Kentucky bourbon. There's one called Noah's Mill that's kind of a small uh, more independent-ish kind of uh distillery, but uh I'm not a big drinker, but if I'm going to sip something, those two are both pretty tasty.
0: When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
3: A book. Uh, well, I guess that's a you know a gimme. But yeah,
0: kind of a stupid question for me. But I yeah. but these are the same five no, I, I ask I, everybody. I, I, so
3: <laughs> I still have to read for pleasure. I discovered Brian. If I'm yeah. only you know reading for work and the project I'm working on or whatever, I, I, I tend to burn out. So I need to be reading a mystery or something. You know lighter something that's just for personal pleasure
0: romance dramas uh yeah <laughs> no uh,
3: not so much okay yeah, yeah. they're fine
0: yeah <laughs> and then finally do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory
3: you know i probably my favorite pipe pipe smoking related memory is uh smoking with two of my best friends um on one of our adventures uh, camping out or um uh, these are two guys we we went to louisville not long ago and did a little bit of the uh, the bourbon trail with all of the many great distilleries there but uh both of them smoke pipes and you know we've known each other for a number of years and get along quite well so it's always fun to trade trade pipe tips with them and so forth so i think probably my best memories of pipe smoking tend to be with those guys
0: Dr. Professor Delfs, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. And, uh, even more, thank you for being photographed with your pipe on your website and, uh, <laughs> and thanks for all your work.
3: Thank you so much, Brian. It truly is a, a pleasure and an honor to be on your show today.
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
1: Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture. We're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes, but you're still at the helm, smoking pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio,
0: and we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. I wonder if Dudley meant. I wonder what he meant when by particular type of intelligence, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, check out everything he's doing. Great guy. Really enjoyed talking to him, uh, and uh, got me on a bit of a British theme. And one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite albums from a long, long time ago, is from uh, Rick Wakeman. Yeah, world-renowned progressive rock keyboardist, uh, musician, writer, and uh, it's the Six Wives of Henry VIII. Uh, this one is the Catherine of Aragorn track and it was recorded live so i mean for for a band to pull off this track live those are some uh, serious musicians <laughs> go that's some serious (laughs) serious playing going on there and you can find the rest of the album online just on one of the streaming services just search rick wakeman three
3: little words you got mail
0: comments and or questions can be directed to me brian b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com or you can post them on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipes magazine uh just like these fine folks did uh, going back to last week's discussion with fred hanna which by the way we've recorded some more so uh, seems like uh, (laughs) a couple hours with the doctor and I'm really tired but um, uh, this is what Dino said about last week Uh, Dino says this was a most comfortable easygoing yet informative conversation with my friend Fred I could almost picture you two sitting in comfy leather couches at a pipe and cigar lounge smoking your briars and just bantering about your views on the art of pipe smoking very entertaining Uh, And then he says, uh, people always say Stevie Stevie Ray Vaughan could make any song great. Et voila. Oh, Dino's throwing in some French in there, too. Uh, And then he says, do the Disney parks still allow parking for gas and diesel engine vehicles? Are the cars at Autopia all electric? I'm with you, Brian. Until the parks once again make a small accommodation for the smoker, I shall not go. Or, on the other hand, until all areas are perfume-free, BO-free, fart-free, and gas and carbon emissions-free, I shall not go. Thanks for another fun show, Dino. Uh, You're welcome, Dino. Um, I don't know if I could make it through there if I was fart-free. Um, and then Dan says, uh, Casey Ghost says, this was truly an excellent show. Fred is simply the most enjoyable person to pass the time and to enjoy a pipe with. Just like Dino, I could see you two guys in lounge chairs relaxing and discussing the only topic that is important to us, pipe smoking. The music was fine and actually, re- actually a reasonable length. It was nice to see Stevie Ray Vaughan play a song and not go into one of his long drawn out solos that end up ruining a song. Uh, your, your, your new method of rubbing out flake tobacco is not for me, but for some people may enjoy it. Great. Some people may enjoy it. Great. Uh, so the great Disney experience faces your wrath. Does it as they say in these parts? Well, good on you. I believe I will join you and send a little sedition their way. Yeah. Just drop them a note more on that in the rant. Uh, and then I've got something to get. Uh, oh, wait, before we go on to that, uh, Jay Everett says another great one. I really enjoy experts, deep diving and long form discussions on podcasts like hardcore history, but pipes. I spend long hours on the road for work, so I have time to pay attention. I may give that new flake treatment a try someday. Maybe it could work on a in a conventional oven. Uh, it will work in a conventional oven. You just have to do it at a real low heat, real, real, real low heat. And go back and listen to the Fred Hanna episodes about uh, tin baking. Uh, And then uh, Laurent says, show was great. I was wondering about maybe a pressure cooker doing the same thing. It would keep the moisture. Uh, It would be like the process of making the flake where a microwave vibrates the water molecules to heat them up. Yeah, possibly. Uh, But again, the microwave, I've been running it uh, anywhere varied between uh, 15 to 30 seconds. And... Poof, there they go. Uh, And then I found a couple uh, mailbag things I want to get caught up on. Uh, Jim, the Desert Pine Piper, wrote in, uh, oh, earlier, well, at the beginning of the year. uh, He said, uh, regarding the interview with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Devereaux, uh, he said, new to the Pipes Magazine radio show and new to the pipe enjoyment lifestyle hobby in 2019. As a retired, and and then he goes on to say, as a retired U.S. Air Force veteran myself, and also living in Las Vegas, I really enjoyed listening to your interview with retired Lieutenant Colonel Devereaux. He would definitely be a person to swap stories with and enjoy a pipe. As a member of the pipe community, I found a uh, connection that I haven't known since retirement from the Air Force, like the pipe smoking community. Thank you for your show and your insight into the pipe smoking, into pipe smoking, Jim. Uh, Jim, go on to, uh, if you're not on Facebook, go on to Facebook and uh, look up the uh, Las Vegas Pipe Club. Uh, they have a Facebook page. And then, uh, let's see, going back to, uh, oh, the Missouri Meerschaum folks. Um Spike writes in, although I'm not a fan of the corn cob, I loved the segment on the Morgan clan, Uh, but not as much as Mrs. Spike did. She became friendly with Shannon and her husband at the Columbus and Richmond shows and is now threatening to take up the corn cob. I'm okay with that, but she has to buy her own tobacco. Great show as always, Spike. Well, Spike, let me tell you, happy wife, happy life. So, Mrs. Spike, you, you start smoking the cob. And you take any of Mr. Spike's tobacco because half of it's yours anyway, and he won't mind because he'll be happy. And then lastly, uh, Brian writes Great interview with John Brandt going back two weeks ago. I really loved hearing what goes into making some of those old blends. It's become a tradition that I listen to each week's new episode after I get off work at about 11 p.m. There you go. Night owls. Yeah. Uh, All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And uh, rant time coming up next.
1: This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meersham Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
0: Hypocrites are running amok amongst us. That's right, hypocrites. That's what I'm calling them. I'm calling them hypocrites. You know why? Because, well, they're hypocrites. Uh, Here's who they are. Starbucks, Disney, SeaWorld, uh, the Columbus Zoo, uh, just to name a few. CVS, you know what? Throw them under the bucket of hypocrites, too. And here's why. One, they don't care about, they can't make any money off of smoking. So that's why they say for the safety and comfort of everybody. Not Notice they don't say health anymore. They say for the safety and comfort of everybody. Well, for the safety and comfort of everybody, I don't like being around drunks. And all these places where they can serve liquor. Yes, even Starbucks has wine bars and they serve liquor. Uh, for the health, if they want to get into health about it, well, then you know what? As Dino said, maybe they ought to cut out all the gas engines. No, they can't do that because then they can't run stuff. But at SeaWorld, you can buy a beer. At SeaWorld, you can buy a piece of chocolate cake that would that would choke Shamu. At CVS, when you go to check out after getting all your healthy stuff, you got to climb over a display of candy bars to get to the cash register. At Starbucks... Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure all those low-calorie mocha frappa hupacinos or whatever are great for you. Yeah, no problem at all. That's why I call these these people are all hypocrites. If they could find a way to make money off of tobacco, they would have no problem having a smoking area there. But they can't figure out a way to do it because it's not in vogue, so they don't give you smoking areas. So remember, uh, instead of going to CVS, go to Walgreens or go to one of the other companies. Instead of going to Starbucks, go find your local coffee, your little little local coffee shop independent that lets you sit outside and smoke and go there Uh, instead of going to the Disney parks. uh, Yeah, I don't know go to Knott's Berry Farm or someplace that will let you sit down and have a smoke inside. So there you go. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipes, iTunes ratings and reviews. We absolutely love getting those, especially the five star ones. Uh, I do kind of like the seven, one star ones that we have <laughs> it means people actually listened. Uh, but yeah, so ratings and reviews. Appreciate those. Keep sharing out the pipes magazine radio show, wherever you are. Thank you to uh, Dr. Delphs for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time.
3: About The clouds when we're together, just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
2: Happy Dragon Badida, 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 Bumba, 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 association no i'm a tobacconist
3: get away from that door